You're listening to the Beastly Gentleman Podcast, where we talk fitness, dating, and self-improvement. If you're looking to get jacked, get girls, and take your life to the next level, then you're in the right place. We're your hosts, David De Los Miranis of How To Beast and Dave Parada of Postgrad Casanova. It's time to get beastly. Oh, and one more thing before we get into the show. As a way of saying thank you, we're offering a couple free downloads exclusive to our podcast listeners. Just head over to beastlygentleman.com to grab your downloads now. Hey guys, welcome to the Beastly Gentleman Podcast. Our guest today is Daniel from Dating Medellin. Daniel moved to Medellin, Colombia a few years ago and he quickly realized the dating landscape was a lot different than in the USA. But instead of pouting and slamming his head against the wall, he dove in, learned what worked, and figured out how to have a fulfilling dating life in Colombia. What's interesting is a lot of the same processes he used in Colombia can be applied really when you're traveling anywhere. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. How to meet and attract women while traveling outside of your country and really anywhere outside of your hometown. So with that being said, what's up, Daniel? Good to have you on the show, man. Thank you. Pleasure to chat with you guys today. So a way we like to get started with every guest is to ask, was there a specific point in your life that you realized you were just pushing out and not living a life that was meaningful to you? Uh, well, I did I did have such an event. I think that um, calling it pussying out would be a pretty harsh evaluation of of what actually happened. But um, I would say more. it was more about courage than uh, pussying out when you get down to it. About uh, five years ago, I was working as a corporate lawyer in Chicago in a big law firm, which is obviously something that I that I studied and prepared for over pretty much seven years to get to that point. And uh, what ended up was that I was extremely unhappy doing that for a number of reasons. Within that firm, they kind of made it hard for me to go anywhere except somewhere I didn't want to go, which was working within a specific practice, which was um, employee benefits, compliance, and some different tax things. But that's neither here nor there. I, I spent a long time, after about a year and a half there, I, so I had everything that I had imagined in advance of that. Um, I had a nice tailored suit. I had an office on the 37th floor you know, with a view of the entire Chicago skyline. I had a secretary. Everybody, my family and friends thought I was, you know, so accomplished and successful. I was making a lot of money. And yet, uh, probably every single day of the week, I was miserable in that job. In fact, the only day that I ever had any peace was Saturday because uh, Sunday even would be ruined by the fact that they would already be start emailing me about things for Monday. It was almost Monday, so that was pretty much a wash to me. The only time I ever had any peace was like Saturday afternoon. Um, so pulling myself out of that situation actually took a ton of courage, but that was, that was the turning point. Um, when I decided to leave the firm, I didn't really have anything particular lined up. I just knew that that wasn't the direction that I wanted to keep going. And of course, everybody that I knew, except my girlfriend, God bless her. My girlfriend at the time was supportive of that decision, but everybody else, all my family and friends, they'd be like, well, you know, it's your life. If you want to ruin it, that was, that was that was pretty much their position. So against everyone's advice, I did what I had to do. I got out of that. I left and I took off. Right. No, definitely, definitely a, a similar story to, to what we had. I know obviously when you're, when you have a, a very respected job like that, that it's, there's a lot of resistance to quitting. As you said, a lot of people will question you. So I've said that you had some support, even if it was just from only your girlfriend. But I guess I'm curious, how did you get from 
there and making that decision and quitting that job to living in Colombia and writing about dating? Uh, well, first, a piece of advice for anybody who, I mean, on, on these kind of sites, there's a lot of hype around leaving your job as if that is um, that is its own solution to something. And of course, there's only one step of like, you know, 30 to 100 steps of of changing the direction of your life. So first of all, anybody that's considering quitting their job, completely taking a, a 180, make sure you have a, a lot of money saved up. I couldn't have ever done what I've done or had the life that I've had since I left the law firm if I didn't save up a ton of money in advance of making that decision in advance of pulling the trigger on that. So that was the first thing. Um, with the savings that I had accumulated at that point, I pretty much pretty much had total control over what I was going to do next. And uh, that relationship actually ended shortly off shortly afterward as well. So that was just a huge churn in my life. But one of the big disappointments of that was not learning Spanish. I, I was with this girl for almost four years. And just through just through observation and being around, I had heard a lot of Spanish because she's Colombian and um, speaking Spanish with her family a lot and things. But we didn't really take the opportunity for me to learn or for me to practice with her. She had been in the U.S. for eight or nine years when we met The relationship started in English. Um, we always continued it in English, and I just never took advantage of that opportunity to learn Spanish from her. And, and when that relationship was over, I, I had this huge disappointment over it. Um, so I decided to to pick a spot in Latin America and go live for at least six months, where I was going to uh, dedicate a lot of time to learning some Spanish and just trying out trying out a new culture. And uh, the process that I followed to end up in Medellin was not very romantic, uh, pretty nerdy. As you already know, Dave, I'm a, kind of an analytical guy. I like to I like to structure my ideas before I make a decision. Um, I made this I made this Google spreadsheet with a list of all the second cities in Latin America. So it would be like not not Buenos Aires but Cordoba or not Bogota but Medellin and so on. So I had this pretty big list of second and third cities in Latin America. And then I, I ranked them on a whole bunch of different features like the weather, the crime, uh, the average cost of an apartment, what kind of food they had, a lot of different things. And it ended up, I was already partial to Colombia because I had been to the coast before. I had never been to Medellin, but it ended up that after, you know, putting all, all the scores into this kind of ranking sheet, Medellin just crushed Uh, the nearest competitor in terms of overall desirability, and since I'd already been to Colombia before, that was a that was a no brainer. So I bought a one way ticket, um, and just showed up with no Spanish, no job, no friends. Um, I was just committed to the adventure, and I and I really just went for it. Nice man, yeah. One of the one of the good things about Colombia is that it really has high levels of pretty much every kind of aspect of life that that you would want. You know, cooking. You know, just the style of life and everything. It's so what What was, I guess, what was your first, once you got there, what was your first, like, experience with the dating life there? Obviously, something got you motivated to, to take a look at it on a deeper level. Right. Well, obviously, I was super excited being single and, and already having um, been to Colombia. I was super excited to go to Medellin and, and start meeting some of the women here. And my first experiences were just pretty much uh, crashes and burns. The The first date that I had here, I, I remember it vividly. I got stood up pretty unceremoniously. What had happened was I got the number of a waitress 
at a at some kind of a club that we were at uh, a few days before and in my in my eagerness i guess i i even well, i was probably really drunk but i try to make a date with her that 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 same moment right like knowing that she was busy and kind of having any idea that colombian girls are a little bit hard to nail down for plans i was like well let's do this uh on you know on sunday and i'll meet you in the park at 2 p.m and she's like okay that sounds great you know it was loud in there it was hard understanding her but i got the idea like she's down we're gonna do it 2 p.m. Sunday in the park. So, um, based on based on all my experience, all my dating experience up to that point, what do I do? I, I show up at the park at 1:45 or 1:40 on Sunday, and I start waiting for this girl. 2:05, she's not there. 2:10, she's not there. 2:20, I know that I know that uh, Colombian people are are often late for things, so I was trying not to sweat it. 2.30, I'm like, well, this is a little ridiculous. I'll call her up. So I I called her. She answers. I'm really struggling with my Spanish because I had just, just started to learn at that point. But I managed to I managed to sputter out somehow like, hey, uh, this is Daniel. I'm here in the park waiting for you. Where are you at? And her response was, who? Who is this? And uh, I was like, you know, I, we we have a date at to, well, we have a date 30 minutes ago in this in this park that I'm at waiting for you. She's like, no, I don't I don't really know who you are. And I'm like, you work at this bar, right? I got your number the other day. She said, oh yeah. Oh well, sorry, I can't I can't do anything today. Um, and uh, you know that was a dead end conversation. Uh, what do you say to that? I, so I I thought, well, all right, uh, take care. You know, interesting. So, up. Sorry, go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. So I was going to say, so, so that's, that's a, it, it's an interesting example of how dating, you know, maybe in Colombia is a little bit different than dating in the U.S. Uh, can you give us some other examples of how dating in, in Medellin is different than in the U.S.? Sure thing. So my, so my point with that story was that was how it all got started for me in terms of starting to, like I said, I'm super analytical. I like to break down problems and understand things. So of course, after that fail, I started to to kind of collect information about what was happening and start to think about it a little more critically. And all of those notes that I took over the course of three and a half years uh, eventually evolved into a much more comprehensive understanding and a whole system for, for foreigners to date in Medellin, which is the product that I then came up with. So um, differences, right? That's what you asked? Yeah, yeah. So for example... Um, for an American person coming to Medellin, coming to Colombia to date, two big examples are transportation and, and independence. And I'll lump those together because in the end, they both really speak to availability and getting together. So transportation, um, Medellin is in, is in a valley. It's completely, obviously, landlocked with a limited amount of space. That valley is filled with cars and buses on narrow roads that wind up down and around hills um the biggest the biggest road in the in the wealthiest part of town has two lanes going each direction so you can imagine uh what the traffic might be like for for a city of this size so the traffic is horrible it literally gets worse by the month so getting around in general and the and just the geography so going two miles in this valley might take you, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes 
as opposed to in the U.S., almost everywhere, everything is flat. Everything is made on a grid. Everything is connected by highways and larger roads that feed into smaller roads, right? That just doesn't happen here. Transportation is horrible. It's hard to get around. Castles. So it's an impediment to even like getting together for a date, which is something that makes dates a lot harder to to plan, to keep, and to actually meet up for. Um, the other thing is independence. In the U.S., a girl that's 21, 22, 26, 27 years old, she's got her own apartment. She's got her own car. Um, she certainly lives on her own or, or with roommates. Here, that exact same woman is almost certainly living with her parents in the family home. So when when you're trying to date her, that, that changes a lot of different things. Um, for example, the most important thing is it changes her, her overall availability to the basic control that she has over her time, which can be a lot less here. And certainly it changes her ability to spend the night with you, to hook up with you, to stay overnight somewhere. Every single day, her mother and father, even if she's 24, 25 years old, they're waiting to hear her come home every single night. So you can imagine how that changes things um, at, compared to dating maybe the same type of girl in the U.S., yeah, so I saw you say there. So traveling, obviously, the traffic's terrible. It takes a long plate, long time to get from point A to point B. So if a girl's going to meet up with you, it can obviously affect the uh, the logistics of the plan and also the independence thing, which I will say is also something you see a lot in Spain here, where we are now. Most of the girls that I've dated here are living at home still, and it does affect. You know, their parents are expecting them to get home at a certain time, so it definitely does affect the dating landscape. So I guess my question for you. Uh, off of that answer is what do you think is like a general approach if, someone, if a guy is going to a new place you know maybe it's a guy from Chicago going to San Diego maybe it's a guy from the states going down to Medellin maybe somewhere in Europe what do you think like a, 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 or do you even have like a basic assessment they could do obviously independence and transportation are two of like many different factors that are going to uh, play a role in this dating game so do you have any like sort of general approach that you prescribe or like a, even just not even if it's a specific, you know, outlined approach, but sort of what, what do you think is a good way that guys can get an idea of what these differences might be versus in their hometown? Because obviously there's probably a lot of things that you wouldn't even think of. Right. Well, for, for Dating Medellin, the guy that I put together, for example, that's all polished now and, and, a, and a full-blown thing because I spent years developing it, right? But you don't have that luxury necessarily if you're arriving to a place. You don't have a guide and you're wondering, where do I start? I want to I do that the best that I can here with the women. Where do I start? And my answer to that would actually be pretty boring. I would say, you know, standard, standard scientific method, which is observe, um, plan and then experiment, right? Everything everything that I did with my guide and how I date in general, regardless of where I'm at, is based on that fundamental process of paying attention to what's going on around you, uh, making a plan of what you think might work for you based on what you're seeing. And then obviously you have to test it. You can't take it on faith and, and experiment and evolve as you go. Um, so going a little bit further into each of those steps, uh, if we look at observation, when you show up to a place, the first thing to do is understand that the the way things are is not necessarily the way that things are for you, right? So if if you ask me, what's dating like in Medellin? I'm going to say, for who, right? Um, if we're talking about 
a rich Colombian guy is different for him. If we're talking about a poor Colombian guy, it's different for him. If we're talking about a foreigner that's lived here for, for five years, it's different for him. If we're talking about someone who's just here for two months, he's he's got his own set of circumstances, right? So the first thing to pay attention to is what is the difference between how it might be like for you and how it might be like for others, and especially for for local or you know the, the native men whoever they might be in that place, what are they doing and how does it work for them, right? Of course. Uh, in, in the second planning part, so taking all those, taking all those observations, so you're going to want to look at how they, how they interact with women, how women respond to certain things that they do, what works, what doesn't. You want to compare that against what you're used to doing, what you're already good at or comfortable doing, and then finding that, finding that mashup. So taking what I've already got as a skill set, what I might need to learn and what they're clearly doing, which is different from what I'm used to doing, what's the mix that's going to get the best results for me as a foreigner or, you know, as a visitor to, to another city, state, country, place, whatever, and making that plan and then experimenting with it. And basically I break that down to give it a little more structure. I break that down by phases. So for me, um, all dating has all dating has a repetition of of the exact same phases, right? First, you need to find women somewhere, somehow, whether that's on Tinder, whether that's in the street at the library. Uh, you need to introduce yourself, start a conversation with them somehow. You need to then make plans or ask them out on a date. You need to then go on that date. You need to then go on another date or start to have sex or whatever, you know, it depends on what you're used to or what, what the girl's expecting, but everything's going to follow a pretty linear progression in which one thing has to be checked off before another thing can happen. So I just break it all down by these phases and looking at each, each phase from beginning to end, what's the, what's the custom here? What works? What looks like it doesn't work? What might work for me that they're not doing and take all those variables and put them in try to come up with a little group a little blueprint for for each phase of the dating interaction and then i just start experimenting with it like crazy by actually putting it into practice nice man i, I like that i think that's a really interesting approach something that probably a lot of guys don't do they kind of keep with their own style i guess their own dating styles when they go to a different country which sometimes can lead you in the wrong place or somewhere you don't want to be like for for me, I guess when I went to Colombia, I tried. And I'm used to trying to like bring girls home from the club a lot, and and in Colombia, while sometimes it worked, a lot of times it would backfire, and a girl either like wouldn't hit me up again, or it just, it just like it would just I would just fail at it. Whereas you know other countries, I would I would do well. So I think that's like that's like one example of like a really big difference. Yeah, and I'd, I'd add that I think that probably still if you have a, a dating style that works for you wherever you're from, uh, I think for me at least what's worked is I do try and apply that, that same dating style everywhere I go and I've traveled a decent amount. But with the, the caveat and the large caveat that being aware of, of the process as I go and being mindful because, for example, here if in Spain if I meet a girl whereas in the US a lot of times you know I can get away just quickly scheduling a date and then maybe checking in through text messages like once before the date just to make sure it's still on here in Spain for whatever reason the girls expect a lot more small talk over text before they actually meet up so I do think that you know just going in with whatever you're comfortable with is good but you know with the caveat that if you're traveling 
to be mindful because there are going to be these differences that you two guys just were talking about. And the only way to, to catch them is if you're paying somewhat attention or otherwise you're just going to get frustrated and give up. Right. I think that's a great point. Uh, the idea isn't that you you ditch everything that you've learned or, or you try to start from scratch, but that you're just paying attention. I think mindfulness is the, is the exact right word here. Um, so, for example, if you're meeting someone, if you're meeting someone at the club and your instinct is to try to try to hook up with them that same night and you go about that and you're seeing things that you already know how to do well and they're working, you're dancing, you're flirting, um, you're making them laugh, you're you're building some kind of rapport, uh, some kind of rapport. And then you hit this wall where you where you make some kind of move or signal where it's like, well, it's time to go and I want to go with you. And everything comes to a stop, right? And you say, ah, well, something just went off the rails there. And that's that's where mindfulness comes in to say, all right, I am who I am. I do what I do until it doesn't work. And then I'm going to figure out why not. And I've got to fix it. Nice. That's a good point. And now we need to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor for today's show, Natter. Natter is a free iPhone app that helps you perfect your text game, get more dates and better responses from women. Are you ever texting a girl and you don't know how to respond or what to say? How about that first message on Tinder? What if you could get the perfect text from an expert right away without messing up your chances with the girl? Well, now you can't. All you have to do is screenshot the conversation and post it to Natter. And a team of expert writers, comedians, and dating coaches, including me, will respond within minutes. So grab your iPhone, download Natter, N-A-T-T-R, and never be tongue-tied on a text again. All right, so Daniel, can you give us some other potential dating pitfalls that guys can fall into while traveling in general? Sure. Well, I think you you already hit on the biggest one, um, which we could generalize as trying to put, you know, trying to put your square peg in a round hole, uh, meaning trying to do things that work in one place or work with one group of people that just won't work with other people and and trying to power through that is what i usually see most people are not are not trying to be mindful or not trying to do the analysis and what i see from foreigners here typically is them trying to do that even harder um just taking the same thing that's not working and throwing it even harder at the wall so uh, that's the first pitfall to not not uh fall into is trying to do something just because it worked before somewhere else and that's your only reason yeah and i'd, um, I'd even add on to that just not to cut you off but I'd even add on to that i think a lot of guys have uh, a weird mindset when traveling a lot of my friends i've traveled with and even my minds in the past that you think because you're traveling for some reason it's going to be that much easier to hook up with girls than your hometown and you almost put in less effort or even do like a, a shitty version of your normal approach which obviously is, you know, if anything, you need to be more more mindful as we talked about, but just something I want to throw in because I think a lot of guys do fall into that like traveler sex laziness. mindset, laziness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's actually related to the other big pitfall, which I would identify. And, and it's certainly true for Colombia. It's probably true for a lot of other places, but just whoring in general. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of guys will go to a place, um, where you know if there's if there's beautiful local girls and prostitution is a thing a lot of guys will fall into the trap and start whoring because they're not succeeding with they're not succeeding right away with the local girls and you know I don't know I don't know where you guys I don't know where you guys stand on that but at least for me in my experience that that just creates 
that creates a difficult energy with women in general. Um, I think I think it's like something like chronic masturbation is just not it's not going to motivate you. Uh, it very very well might demotivate you to actually seek out real connections with with real women. Yeah, I don't don't have any experience with that, but I I do see that it it seems like it would be almost like a more severe form of like pornography and the same type of negative side effects you'd see there. Great analogy, I think so, and and I mean it's not it's not about judging anybody that wants to participate in that because I really don't care. Um, strictly, we're talking about the utility of it, and 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 the functional consequence of that is just kind of checking out of the whole process. And as soon as you get into that kind of uh, consumptive lifestyle, and you start to to look at the women that are around you that way, well, the entire thing falls apart. Um, so I think that's a trap for a lot of a lot of foreign guys that you know have money to spend going to places um, where there's less. I agree. I agree. That's that's a that's a big pitfall. And I think I think the the overall overall thing is just being open, being mindful, like we talked about, and not not trying to fit you know the circle peg into the square hole or or vice versa. Oh <laughs> 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 right, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> because you know, for me, you know, I've traveled a lot, lived in a lot of different places, and for me, like. After like the first or second week, I'm usually trying to like feel it out. I'm usually not having that much success with the girls in the different country. But after, you know, one or two weeks, I start to – something starts to click and it starts to just do a lot better. And then like, the day just like funnel in. Yeah, I think that brings up another point, which would be just having the patience to allow yourself to settle in and attune to some of these differences and not try and force it and get frustrated in the, you know, the short term. Right, exactly. If you're feeling some kind of desperate urgency, you gotta. I think it's time to look inside and say, "Why am I, why am I so insecure about this? Or what's what's the hurry?" I think that's a great point. Yeah, that would go. Yeah, especially if it comes up while traveling. But yeah, in, in any case, if you're having that urge, it's probably something to to think of. For sure. So, with that being said, what are some of the the biggest differences to look out for? For guys, when when they're meeting women while traveling in different countries, like you know, like culture, bringing girls home, dating etiquette, stuff like that. Uh, well, you know, I, I like to categorize and kind of break things down into their into their component parts. And I already told you how I do, how I kind of make up uh, a strategy for going about dating is based on on the chronological phases of the interaction, right? Um, so, in terms of this question about um, what are what are the key differences? I'm always going to look for two things right away because um, they they seem to be the battlegrounds and where most of the confusion and 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 that happens. Which are number one, um, the the role of sex and people's relationship to sex, specifically women. You know, women in your age group. Was their was their relationship to sex in their culture and and for their personal selves? And the second one is how do people flirt? And by flirting, I mean, how do people show each other interest or affection? Because those two things seem to vary a lot depending on where you go. And and they're really where the rubber meets the road in terms of dating because, um, you know, making friends is all well and good. But at the end of the day, most of us are, aren't going to consider dating successful until it gets intimate, right? Until there's sex involved, which makes perfect sense to me. Um, 
And those are the two things that might be huge variables that you hadn't accounted for. People's different relationships with sex, how they view it, how they view its role in their own life. And then how do people show each other that they're interested? Um, for example, in Colombia, a, a few things that really work here and always work here would would bomb pretty hard in, in a culture like the U.S. or in parts of Europe. For example, um, strong strong kind of masculine aggression in terms of showing your interest in a girl here is always rewarded. It's expected. And if you don't do it, the girl thinks that there's that there's something wrong, that you're not interested, that you have another girl. So they're wanting you to be the man and ask them out right away. Be be very clear that you're interested in them. Compliment them. Where these same things, if you go to a big city in the U.S., can backfire horribly. Um, giving a girl too many compliments uh, too early on, showing too much interest, being too eager to set up a date or just going after her with any any sign of of clear intention can often just sabotage the whole process, right? Exactly. Nah. So it's it's looking at these differences, and and that's what I meant when I said look around. Like, what are the guys? What are the guys in that place doing? The ones that look and seem successful to you, how do they interact with women? How do those women respond to what they get from those guys? Here's another example and a negative example. So. Uh, there's a lot of cheating that goes on in Medellin. It's got, it's got kind of a reputation for infidelity, which in all my experience and observation is well-deserved. Um, and, and people do it, but they hate it. You know, women hate that they're constantly being lied to and cheated on by their man. Um, it's a huge source of stress and conflict in relationships here. And it's one of those areas where by not doing what the local guys are doing, you can actually set yourself apart and make yourself more attractive to the women. So that's what I mean about looking at both sides of it. Look at all the behavior that's going on between the sexes here. What's working? What's not working? Where are the areas where I can slide in and, and, and show more value than maybe they have? Or what are the things that they're doing that I need to get on board with to make this work? So... I think that's a good example, or the one you gave, especially of flirting, that by observing the, the native men a lot of times, you can see maybe what works and what doesn't work. But I'm curious, you also mentioned like the relationship with sex. Obviously, you're not, that's not something you're going to observe. So I'm curious how, you know, you got a feel for that. And I'm, I'm assuming that it's probably, given my experience too, that it's something that sort of just, it comes with time as you, you go on dates with girls and you see how different girls react to your advances, but it maybe there's a quicker way that you've uncovered. Well, the best I can recommend is you got to find some kind of a Sherpa. You know what I mean? Like you got to find, you got to find the cooler version of you in this place and make friends with him. And, and with this, I'm talking about someone who's roughly your age, who's single and who's actively dating and obviously doing well. And now that can be hard to find. It might take some time, but it's worth it to take the time to find that person because all, all the best information before you can get information from raw experience is going to come from is going to come from this person. You can ask them all those questions, say like, hey, what are the girls like here? When do they usually sleep with a guy after meeting? Where, where do they like to go on dates? What do they like to do? How do they like to be talked to? I mean, just one person that actually knows what they're doing. And that's the most critical thing here is that you need to pick the right person. Most people will, you know, ask the bartender at the hostel who's just trying to gas him up with whatever kind of stories he thinks will impress them and probably not going to probably not going to do them much good. 
you need to find someone that's legitimately doing well the thing that you're trying to do and just start asking them questions. I think that's good. I think that's valuable life wisdom for any pursuit, trying to find a mentor of some sort. But as you said, it can it can probably get, especially with this, it can get tricky, especially because, you know, a lot of guys that you meet out might be blowing steam up your ass too, saying, you know, because insecurity plays a role, obviously, when you're talking about women and dating, and a lot of guys are probably going to front a lot. So I can see how that would be tough as well. Yeah, it's- exactly, which is why I recommend picking this person based on on seeing them in action instead of instead of just putting out feelers like, hey, I need to know about this and this. Well, what guy doesn't want to show how much he knows about this and that, right? That's that's most guys in most places. So I wouldn't let that person come to you. Instead, I would just watch, see someone that's definitely clearly knows what they're doing and then try to make a friend. Nice. And that might even be the guy who's just surrounded by girls at the club or something. You just see, you just go introduce yourself, maybe buy him a drink and just talk to him. Like I've seen that. I've seen that work before. So yeah, exactly. If you pick the right guy, there's only good can come of it. For sure. So we 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 talked last week a little bit about about this stuff, just me and you. And I know you have a little bit of a logical system for achieving dating success while traveling. I have a feeling that you've already gone through a few of the concepts, but I know you have some more concepts you want to go over. Just just kind of like your your logical system to dating. Can you can you go over that? Well, I think we've covered a lot of it because the the first half of it was was to do with the the phases of dating and this whole process of observe, plan, experiment, um, applying that to each phase of dating. The other half of it is the language, obviously. Um, so I like to do the same thing. First of all, you're going to need that Sherpa. You need someone who's basically bilingual and is going to be able to translate for you when you arrive um the all the phrases that you need for dating and again that's easy enough you just break it down by interaction when you're in the airport you can write out a list on a piece of paper that says meeting girls introducing myself asking asking someone out on a date ta 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 right each phase write it down and then come up with 5 to 10 phrases in english that you would want to know how to say exactly correctly in local whatever language right and then one of the first things you have to do or preferably before you arrive, is find someone to translate that cheat sheet for you. So that way you know, no matter what, you've got what you need to to initiate like human contact with the people that with the people that you're going to be meeting. And the second thing with that is have a Tinder bomb. Um, I love, well, when I'm single, I'm not single right now, so I'm not on Tinder. But when I'm single, I love getting on Tinder and doing experiments on on the women that are on there. Um, which is not as malicious as it sounds. Basically, I just want to know, I just want to know what is the fastest way that I can go from having a match on Tinder to getting someone to meet up with me in person. And so each city that I go to, I'll run these tests and figure out what is the one or two phrases that, that just get someone to say, okay, boom, I'll meet up with you. Now, in, in a place like Colombia, or it sounds like Spain as well, sometimes the interaction just takes longer. They might want to chat for whatever reason to build a little bit of familiarity before going out with you. But even so, you still want to have in perfect local X language, you still want to have that bomb to throw out right away that you know that's going to get more bites than anything else. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. I think that Tinder is a great 
place to have a lot of conversations with, with girls quickly and potentially a lot of dates as well. But definitely when you're in a, in a different culture, especially different language, you'll quickly see how people respond to different, to different messages, whether it's that, that first message trying to get a response or whether it's when you're asking them if they want to go on a date with you. And that all goes back to the cheat sheet. I mean, even when you get past that first message on Tinder or WhatsApp or wherever you might be, most of the communication, let's face it, is happening is happening digitally right now. So you don't need to necessarily worry about pronunciation and all those things being perfect right away. Instead, you want to have the right phrases to engage people in a meaningful way, right? So you want to be able to say things in a way that that person's not going to stop and say, what is this? You know, like if you... If you if you get an email from someone or if you get customer support from some kind of product or you read a product description and the English is off, what do you think? Scam, spam, virus? I don't know. There's nothing good, right? As soon as you yeah. see a product description that looks like it was written by someone that's not a native speaker of English, it's immediate suspicion. And this is this this is gonna have the same effect even when people know you're foreign. It's just jarring. Um to be to be spoken to in a language that doesn't make sense. That's why I recommend getting these core phrases related to each uh, phase of dating interaction, getting them translated in advance into the perfect version of the local language, so that at least when you're doing these these kind of selling activities, like introducing yourself or asking someone out on a date, you know that it's perfect, and you know that there's not going to be any reason for them to say no based on the jarring effect it might have of you spitting basically gibberish at them nice i like that man you definitely can see how i've i definitely made some mistakes like that trying to ask us out on tinder just like really weird like like drink like 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 requests to go for drinks and stuff like that just probably didn't make any sense um good stuff man (laughs) (laughs) so so now it's time for the final four four questions 60 seconds you ready to go ready all right one person to have dinner with Dead or alive? Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. It's the guy that wrote an essay called Self-Reliance, maybe the greatest essay ever on being your own man. I'd love to chat with him and just see what he thinks about how to do that in today's world where, you know, everything is infinitely interconnected and, and every day we're less of our own people based on that. Nice, Ralph Waldo Emerson. All right, favorite passion or hobby? making things. Uh, I'm a creative guy. That's one of the reasons I stopped being a lawyer in the end. I wanted to make stuff. And more than anything, I like making things that might lead me to a more, uh, let's say, autonomous existence. Nice. And what is your morning routine? I make my bed, completely clean up the space that I'm in. I work at home. So I'm kind of in the same uh, smaller space all the time. So being organized and being clean is extremely important to me. I have kind of a tidying routine that I start out the day with before I have my coffee. Nice. <laughs> nice. nice. All right. Favorite recent book? A uh, great book that I recommend to anybody. You, you guys might have read it. It's called Seven Day Startup by Dan Norris. Um, for Anybody that's interested in entrepreneurship, whether that be related to online or information products or starting your own business or even freelancing, consulting, anything, working for yourself, um, Seven Day Startup by Dan Norris is just super short and one of the most practical books I've ever read relative to the word count. Nice. nice. Yeah, we actually had him on the show for anyone who wants to go back and listen to that episode. 
Yeah, someone. Oh, excellent. Well, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna check that out for sure. Nice. We were laughing about the the morning routine because I'm like this. I'm I seem to be very similar to you. Where when I wake up every morning, I clean up the space that I'm about to work in, like almost. I don't know, I almost obsessively. And then, uh, as Dave could tell, you live with me. I'm always on his back to have him clean stuff up. <laughs> he always leaves like a few extra things around. And because, as you it's said, the, we're, it's, we're, the, it's the ceremony. Yeah. It's the ceremony of it. You got to get your mind engaged in what you're about to do. And just that, that process of going through all that. I mean, no one cares if my, if my bed is made or not. But the process of arranging all that stuff and, and getting it to a certain state puts me ready to go at the next step. Or maybe the creative process is messy. <laughs> I don't think so. In bed, in bed, it sometimes is, but when it's over, you got to make that bed. <laughs> yeah, man, good stuff. I think we we get some some a lot a lot of great great info for guys who want to be able to meet and attract women while they're traveling. So, with that being said, what's the best way for for guys to listen to to follow and get a hold of you and and to check out dating Medellin? Uh, well, if you go to datingmedellin.com backslash hola, uh, which is hello in Spanish, obviously, um, you can get kind of a free guide that we put together, which is basically about just getting um, getting numbers, specifically introducing yourself to girls and getting numbers in a way that's going to be attractive and engaging to them. And uh, even if you're not needing to speak Spanish or even if you have no plans to come to Colombia, you can at least use that as a template uh, for what I was talking about with the cheat sheet and come up, start to come up with a list of phrases that you might want to get translated into whatever to help you get going. Nice. Nice. Great stuff. Cool. We'll link that up on the show notes. Uh, it was awesome having you on, man. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to grab your free downloads over at beastlygentleman.com. And be sure to leave us a review on iTunes if you like the show. Thanks for listening. Stay beastly.